I do the introductions. Hello and welcome to Daddy Issues, the podcast where we talk about father and son relationships in popular culture. My name is Dominic Archer and with me in person for the first time in so long, it's David Bryan. Hello, David. Hi, Dom. Welcome to my kitchen. It, you know what? It is a lot nicer than just staring at my bedroom wall while we do this, so I appreciate it. Yeah. You've got a, a, a picture of a baby up there. Is it your baby? That's not a baby. That's my cousin's baby. So, yeah, okay. You've got some uh, some hats that... I don't know if you could really get away with wearing them. The straw one in summer you could get away with. But yes. the other one, it's the kind of hat that you only wear if you're a jazz douche. It's a bit of a jazz. It's like a to me. It's like a a summery festival guy wearing a vest and shorts that are too short. Yes. Kind of guy. Yes. Probably taking ketamine. Yes. But um, I've had that hat for a long time, so for now it'll just adorn the wall mm. and and have a nice little two piece with my two yeah. summer hats. Yeah. You've got a nice selection of empty alcohol, but not in kind of like a a college like celebratory way of oh look how much I've drank <laughs> but it's more of like uh, they're much more interesting and an international selection of alcohol that you've got going exactly, on exactly yeah their the, the mem- memories are attached as opposed to memories lost <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's very true so today we're we're back it's our first daddy issues podcast in a long time what are we going to talk about yeah it's our first one of 20 is it first one of 2019 2019 no uh, surely not we did. We had Christmas and yeah. we jingle all the way, and then yeah. Nemo came after that. Yes. Okay. So it. it yeah. So we did find Nemo. That's okay. But Second it, podcast. Yeah. But it's it's close. It has been a long time. Yeah, we've been delayed. Yeah. It's been a bit of a, we've had some downtime, and it has been down without you in my in my arms. Yeah. Same. <laughs> I touched his thigh for those who can't see. It's it's a it's an, an audio medium, but they, <laughs> really they could feel it's tactile. In, I in think they can sense that. Yeah. Love penetrated the uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that's not the only thing so today we are going to talk about father and son relationships in the video games fallout 3 and fallout 4 because you have been playing fallout 4 pretty recently right yeah yeah i, mean, I think i got it fairly soon after it came out mm. and i don't know what, how many years ago is that now that came out in 2015. Oh, you know, Jesus 2015. Christ. And yeah. about a month ago, I finished the story. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, it, as any awful commentary subscribers will know, the, probably, if you are listening to this and you subscribed, the reason you subscribed was because pretty exclusively for about a year, awful commentary was only Fallout 4 related <laughs> things. It was uh, me and the amazing Steve were, were making lots of character builds. Uh, Steve did about 20 years worth of fallout 4 let's plays um like there's there's tons of fallout 4 content on there so yeah. and when you were saying about it and i was like oh it's a father-son relationship there you go there you go i've really I'm played into, yeah played into your uh, well of experience is, and expertise it is a niche that you have managed to fill quite nicely <laughs> yeah yeah and I'm, of course i was that's where i became a fan of the channel was through the the fallout 4 uh, not through video, our friendship so. Well, <laughs> oh no, let's not go any further down this alley, or we're going to be in real trouble. But we're back. Uh, we're we're together. I'm in the UK. I'm wearing my podcast recording hat. Oh yeah, I've now it's got. beautiful. It is beautiful. Oh, my my girlfriend just... isn't going to listen to this. She's not going to listen to it. No, no. no. It's a gift for her. It is a gift for her. Yeah. yeah, but she never listens to any of this shit because she is wonderful. <laughs> she has a life. She, she, yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's it's a lovely pink hat of a smiling cat with cat ears on it. And my God, I am masculine. I'm not sure you'll ever give it over to her. Now. You know what? I think yeah. I'm going to keep I it. I think you're owning it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Especially if you've now still got a label on the top and everything. <laughs> yeah, just in case I want to return it for some reason. Thank you. Thank you. But let's get into the, the desolate world of, of Fallout 4 and Fallout 3 and decide if, if dads... Dad's ever changes. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I applaud that effort. <laughs> Thank you. I, I tried real hard. <laughs> really tried yeah, to force that one. It was a bit of a forced, forceful entry, but uh, but I relaxed and accepted it. <laughs> this is getting real weird, real fast in here. I like this energy. So, <laughs> Fallout Four, we should probably do first because it's the more recent one that. The both of us have played. Obviously, Fallout yes. Three is is when when did that come out? Two thousand eight. Two thousand eight. Yeah. Two thousand eight. Christ, that's a lot. That's eleven years yeah. ago. But I probably played that one more than I ever played yeah. Fallout Fallout Four. But then then let's forget about Fallout Four. Then let's let's dive let's, back in time. Right, back in backwards in time, ten years yeah. plus. And then we have to. Can you do the, the Doctor Who theme? 
No, I don't even know the Doctor Who theme. Oh, okay. I'll do. I'll do the the drum bits. The drum bits are like. Oh yeah, and there's like some weird like whistly bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. It's like never mind the buzzcock. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we've gone back in time. That was us going back in time. It's 2008. Um, oh, Obama has just been elected wow. president of the United States, and I'm really hopeful that identity politics has now been put to rest and is never going to resurface. <laughs> oh, well, yep. it, sh- it felt like it probably did, right? Yeah. It should have done. Surely, that's so yeah, that, yeah, that was it, that was it. Is this, isn't this the year where England didn't qualify for the European Championships? Is that the 2008... I, you know, yes, <laughs> I'm gonna say yes. It is I'm talking about things I remember from yes, 2008. That's that that's definitely it. right. Um, let's go to university or something. Oh, that's 2009, isn't it? That was 2009. Yeah, because 2008 is when you I lost your virginity, even though you're five years older than me. I'm afraid that was probably a bit before then. Oh, damn. <laughs> I was 17, so that was 2004. God, you're old. I know. I don't think so. I even had any pubes then. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have any pubes now. <laughs> well, that's because I shave. I'm neat. I'm well, done. well maintained. You are very well maintained. That's Thank true. you. Thank you. You showered in my house today, I know. Man, I'll tell you what. My brother doesn't listen to this either, so it's fine. The worst, <laughs> the worst, thing, the worst thing about my brother coming home, because he's at university and I've been away, yeah. so he's come back home and we're, we've all been in the family house. And then, like everything is clean and then he'll come home and then suddenly there's just fucking shaved hair everywhere oh. and it's the worst because it's not like shaved over the sink like where he's been looking in the mirror to shave it. it's just like around the edge of the toilet which <laughs> means he's definitely shaving body hair but he's like what, a... on the toilet is he like sat taking a shit and shaving his beard and no 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 i think he's like leaning over the toilet to shave his body hair into the toilet right that's odd yeah but i know that he shaves all of his body hair he like he like Sean. He, it, not he, not Sean from Fallout Four. Sean, 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 <laughs> Sean, 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 Sean like like the um, sheep. Uh, what do they call it uh, from uh, Austin Powers? A ritualistically Sean. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think he just shaves all of his body hair for some reason. Well, he's an athlete, right? Yeah, well, it's for yeah. aerodynamic purposes. Yeah, that may be like Lance Armstrong. <laughs> 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 yeah. Or oh, the sort of swimmer guy. The guy, the guy, you know, the guy is like Phelps? faster than a dolphin. What's his name? Phelps. Michael Phelps. Yeah, 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 yeah. But didn't they find out he definitely wasn't faster than a dolphin? Probably wasn't not. Wasn't that the test? Because they got him to race a shark, and they're like, yeah. "Oh, it turns out an animal that lives in water and evolved in water is probably faster than is faster man. in water." Yeah, like yeah. when they got Usain Bolt to race a cheetah. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. these are the tests we have to carry out. You couldn't just compare the average speed of a cheetah to the average speed of Usain Bolt no. and go, nope, cheetah's faster. <laughs> you have to put them on the same track and somehow get yeah, them to go at the same you, track. How do, you, how do you motivate them both equally? <laughs> yeah, to run yeah. their fastest. Yeah. yeah. Do you, do, like, for scientific accuracy, do you just have to... <laughs> do you... Do you only feed Usain Bolt antelope for like a month? <laughs> and you have to make him hunt it too. Well, yeah, so yeah, yeah. To chase yeah. It. And then you just release an antelope and see who gets it first. And then see who gets it first. Yeah. Cheetah. <laughs> it turns out. Cheetah, yeah. yeah. That's also how they did the shark and Phelps. Yeah. They just released a tuna. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, I imagine the shark would be nimbler at a turn. Yeah. Phelps is fast in a straight line, I'm sure, but you think. Not faster, but he's at his quickest in a straight line. <laughs> <laughs> that is undeniably true. You know, because there, there are certain birds of prey yeah. that can fly in a straight line at like 60 miles an yeah, hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there are smaller birds of prey that can, like sparrowhawks, that can fly in, within trees and in mm. bushes and stuff. They're so nimble, they can still fly at like 30 miles an hour through obstacles, which is like... Impressive. Are they the, the Phelps of birds? No, they're not no, the they're Phelps not. of birds. They're the sharks they're of the birds. They're the sharks of birds. <laughs> <laughs> this is going nowhere. This is a weird tangent. And I love it. All right. So, Fallout 3 is... Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, two, it's 2008. It's 2008. <laughs>
liberating thing when your podcast only gets 20 listens, right? <laughs> yes. if, we, if we got like 200,000 people listening to this, we'd have to delete it all and start again. I don't know. I think this is the best one we've ever done. <laughs> yeah, me too. So, all right. It's 2008. Yes. Um, I, I have an Xbox 360. As do I. Yeah. Uh, Fallout 3 has just come out. What are your thoughts on the game? And do you have some tissue because I'm crying? You're <laughs> crying with laughter. Yeah. So I actually remember playing the first two Fallout games mm. on the PC. Um, I don't remember where I got them. I probably had borrowed them from somebody or something. Um, but that was never really so much of a completionist gamer like I am now. And I probably played until I got bored, which is probably a few hours. Yeah. So I think I probably played the for opening story three or four times. Never got very far until it started to get difficult. <laughs> then I probably just gave up because yeah. that was been when did the first one come out? Like 97. Oh, it's old school, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I was like yeah. 10 years old, yeah. I probably didn't play it immediately. I probably would played them around 12 13 when mm. my attention span was mm. poor, yeah. <laughs> so then my first experience of Fallout was definitely Fallout 3, but Oblivion, the Elder Scrolls, yeah. came out a couple of years before that, I think, because that was the game that me and Steve really played to death really? we played that game a lot <laughs> um and so it's the same made by bethesda it's that same kind of thing yeah um but they're very much now i feel like they were very much of their time they really one of the reasons i think fallout 4 hasn't worked as well is because they've never upgraded very much from those games right um and then how much progression has there been since skyrim not that much. There's been some changes they've made, but yeah, for me, Oblivion and Fallout, Fallout Three were really kind of like yeah. these were the the games. <laughs> there was like there was no other game I wanted to play except for them when yeah. they came out. And I think the the story and the world was a big part of that because it was like prime time post apocalyptic fiction. Right, <laughs> yeah, that was the time to be making. Those yeah, games. absolutely. Like everything was either a zombie or a nuclear bomb. Hmm. Um. And yeah, it was really just the perfect game for its time. The gameplay was was great for what it was. Yeah, um, the, 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 the expanse of it yeah, appealed yeah, to yeah. as well, the way you could play it for hundreds of hours. Yeah, totally. And still exploring new play, new. Yeah, games. yeah, yeah, yeah. And the best thing about it was you are you're a, a child trying to find your father, and your dad is Liam Neeson, <laughs> which at the time was amazing. That, he was still cool, then. and he and now <laughs> is a little bit like. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> For, for context, uh, this is recorded a month or two after Liam Neeson made some comments that have, did not go down yeah. particularly well. Didn't he say, like, after... Uh, okay. <laughs> yes, he did, Dave. Yeah. That is exactly what he but said. But even if you go back a bit further than that, the last three or four years of all the Liam Neeson um, cultural yeah. um, touchstones have been pretty poor films yeah. and weird choices in the films that he chooses to be in. Yeah. Um, I think he did like one that sort of Scorsese movie where he played a, a monk silence or whatever it was where that's like a proper drama right. where he got to but then other than that like nine out of the last ten of his films have been bad yeah <laughs> bad action thrillers so yeah this predates that yeah so the, Liam Neeson is an interesting actor for the roles that he chooses um, because one of the things I specifically remember was working at uh, a school one of the schools I worked at and all of the teachers were about 10 years older than me, um, but they were all bored as shit. So one of the things we would do is we would just sit around and go, right, if you were to take an actor and combine all of their roles, who would be the most powerful actor? Powerful, like physically? Yes, okay. by, by combining all of their different roles together, yeah. who would be the most powerful? And it almost always came out as a Liam Neeson. <laughs> because, you know, he, he was, he's, what, he's been Zeus, and he's Qui-Gon Jinn, he was a Jedi, he was in Taken, he did all the martial arts stuff. Like, Liam Neeson has been, like, so many badass roles yeah. that he really takes, he really, uh, he's like the most powerful actor. That's true, yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. That would take some real thought to come up with. Anyway. Oh, and he was Aslan. <laughs> the Aslan, the, Aslan the Lion. And Aslan the Lion is a metaphor standing for God. Yeah, yeah. So there again, he's like God times two. If God was a lion. Okay, but in Fallout 3. At least that's what C.S. Lewis thought. Yeah, yeah. Do you reckon that's what it was? You just sat around like, I've got this wardrobe. 
I've got a wardrobe and I guess I could I thought it was a witch kind of rhymes with you know it's, it's an yeah. iteration but I don't know it's just missing something and there's like and there's a there's a war going on yeah. and I, I want to try and sort of step away from that and make yeah. something that's yeah. like just a something bit a bit wild fluffy yeah <laughs> <laughs> the wild witch in the one no yeah. okay so well we're Liam Neeson's our dad yes um, we're, it's Fallout 3, so it's Washington, D.C. based. Yeah. Um, you're in Vault 101. Uh, you've been raised in the vault. Yeah, and this is... This, how many games, other games, could you remember getting playable levels, quote-unquote, as a baby? Like, crawling That's around true. and controlling your character in yeah. the first person as a baby. I don't yeah. really remember. Yeah. Like, when I, the first playthrough I did, when I just created my character, and then it goes, boom, you're a baby. I was like, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's weird. I can't remember how long it lasted for. I'm sure that's a little ploy that couldn't last too long. Yeah, but it's kind of an interesting start-off to the game because it establishes the relationship with you and your father because you, yeah. see, you, through, you see your father through your entire childhood, yeah. which is really interesting and one thing that they didn't try and do again in Fallout 4. Um, but your mother dies in childbirth and I think your father is the doctor that cuts you out. So, oh, sucks to be him. Yeah, it's that um, whole, like, we can't save her kind of Yeah, situation. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you, you get raised by your father, and then on, like, your 16th birthday or something, when, you know, you've, you've become an adult now, you're ready to live in your vault, some shit goes down and your dad leaves. Then you basically just have to go and find your dad, find out what happened, why did he leave, what, what's, what's going on. Yeah, you want to believe that Liam Neeson left for the right reasons. Yeah, and that is a, that's a, a big part of the game, really, is... Why did your dad do what he did? There's like mysteries surrounding everything. Like, who even is he? Mm. As well, it seems like maybe he didn't always come from the vault. Maybe he came. Maybe he entered the vault earlier on, which is like nobody does that. So yeah, it's it's a big mystery. The whole game is about trying to find your dad, and then when you do find him, trying to kind of continue his legacy. Yeah, because in there he was. He did leave for altruistic reasons yes. to save. Humanity. Yeah, yeah, to save the wasteland. Save the yeah. wasteland, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you you played the game through. Um, what are your memories of that that story, I guess, of your experience in the world? Because you say the main story is about trying to find your father, but the entire experience you have playing in the wasteland is through that lens, right? Yeah. I think one thing that Bethesda does great is how expansive the world is and how you can go off on all these different tangents and learn new things about your environment through other characters and side quests and stuff. But though I'm, I don't know if that's just me, but I find them very distracting from the main story. Mm. I want to explore and learn new things and level up my character more. And I will do a couple of story missions, but then I'll take time away from that to go off and do side quests. Mm. Um, to, you know, get cool shit and, yeah. and whatever the, the draw is for that, that particular quest. So I find that I get, I get, I forget the story mission. And when I go back to do a story mission, I'm having to remind myself why what I'm doing right and I get very much lost in the the conceit of the game which is apocalyptic wasteland kill or be killed yeah cool guns monsters and you get and there is this element of role playing which is what attractive to everyone who likes role playing games is you get to mould your character the way you want and develop him or her in the direction you want to yes so in terms of in terms of the story I think I probably kept coming back to it going oh yeah the dad thing yes <laughs> okay but um, yeah, again, I think because the era it came out in, the uh, time it came out in, and who I was as a gamer then, I probably wasn't paying all that much attention. Mm. It was just, I was playing it for the gratification of the gameplay. Yeah. Not so much for the story. Yeah. I wouldn't say that's a negative comment on the story that it was poor. It wasn't, un it was unengaging. I just think I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. I think that, that kind of interpretation of Fallout 3 works, again, because you are a child trying to find your father... But there's not a real sense of urgency within that story. That's absolutely right. Yeah. And it's kind of like, oh, my dad's out there in the world, but this is the first time you have ever been out in the world. Yeah. The first time you've ever left the vault. So the story is as much a voyage of a young adult finding the world for the first time yeah. and realising, oh, shit, this world is awful. <laughs> um as it is, you know, a son try like it's a, a a transition into adulthood, yeah, almost like the entire game, and you know the, what 
what it's going to take to survive, as you were saying, yeah. as an adult in this world. You, yeah, I suppose you do go out on, in a very, um, got sort of a very immature point of view of going, mm. my daddy is the, you know, the focus of my existence yeah. and yeah. he's who I'm following. And then maybe through exploring the world and doing side quests and, and whatnot, you learn more about the world and you, your character and you as the player become more of your own person yeah. and make your own opinions and decide what you want to do and how you want to do it. Yeah. And that's really shown off in like the karma system that's in Fallout 3 as well. Yeah. When you leave the, you leave the vault, your karma is essentially neutral because you've had no options to be a good or bad person. I think you don't, you do, don't you? There's like those tunnel snake guys in the yeah, vault and you can yeah, decide yeah. whether to talk them out of being dicks or yeah. beat the shit out of them. But that, that's kind of like your chance to like experience karma on a minute level, yeah, right? Yeah. And then you leave the vault and then it's like, would you like to blow up this entire town? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're like, yes. <laughs> and then you boom. Yeah. Or like with me, with most of these morality games, I did it with Fall, uh, with Fable as well. Yeah is the first playthrough I play fairly on the good side of neutral. Yeah. And if I don't want to do something, even if it's it will give me positive karma points, I still won't do it. Yeah. But then you do the second playthrough where you intentionally do everything like a dick. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and you yeah. do blow up Megaton and yeah. you do just murder people and steal shit from people. Yeah. Just because... You can. That, you can. And it makes the game so much easier and yeah. kind of more fun. Yeah. Because it, there's a very simple solution to all the problems, which is just murdering. And because you've been doing it since the very beginning out of choice and some of those things give you more experience points so you get you get stronger and more powerful the more evil you are yeah. and it's harder to play as yeah. a good person yeah one of the issues that i have with fallout 4 transitioning over to that is that there is or there should be much more of a sense of urgency within that main quest as a parent, either a, a, a mother or a father, but I've generally played as, as a father. Oh, I did with someone as Jessica Jones, which was cool. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. But mostly, having played it through as a father, is your infant... Okay, we didn't actually say the story before that fall. It's a few days... No, it's the day that the bombs drop. Yeah. So we're in the past, pre fallout of any kind in this weird kind of quasi past present where yes. nuclear nuclear technology has been um in, uh, what's the word embraced by yes. by the culture of even though like the style of everything still looks very much like the 1950s but yeah. the technology is actually more, slightly more advanced because they've embraced nuclear fission yeah it's like the year 2077 something like that I but think. it's like everything still looks like the 50s yes yeah 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 totally so um, you're there with, with your partner, with your baby, and then, oh no, the bombs are dropping because you are an ex-service person. You, you fought in the war against the Chinese, which is the whole setting for, for this. Um, you are eligible to go to a vault. So the bombs drop, you go into the vault where you are protected from the explosion of the nuclear blast, and you are cryogenically frozen. Um, you didn't know you were going to be cryogenically frozen. This is part of the vault system. The the, the guys in Fallout called Vault Tech. They yeah. run all the vaults. And actually, all of the vaults aren't there to keep people safe. They are there to perform experiments yeah. on their inhabitants. That happens a lot in Fallout 3 where you could visit a lot of vaults and something yes. weird and different was happening in each one. Yes. Because each one had its own weird scientific... Um, you know, management that we're doing yes. different kinds of experiments. Yeah, totally, totally. Whereas so it was not so much in Fallout 4. Yeah, they're, yeah they're, they're still there, but they're not as cool as they were in Fallout 3, no. which is what made them so noticeable. Yeah. But yeah, so in, in uh, Fallout 4, uh, the experiment seems to be some kind of cryogenic freezing. So um, you and your wife uh, and your baby, Sean, are frozen, and then you wake up about 200 years later. But as you wake up, um, a mysterious man and a scientist come to your partner's uh, cryo tube. They open it up. They try to take your baby away. And your partner's like, no, I'm not going to give you the baby. And the mysterious badass man pulls out a huge fucking gun <laughs> and goes, then say goodbye, mama. <laughs> That's the, the direct quote. <laughs> yeah. Even if you're playing as the dad... He's, uh, he's, uh, he's yeah. the dad is in the cryo tube. He still calls you mama, yeah. and then he blows you away. Pow! <laughs> yeah, like that exactly. <laughs> so, so you watch your your partner die. You watch your baby being kidnapped, and then you're frozen again. And you wake up some indeterminate amount of time later. You don't yeah. know. You don't know what it is. And then, gotta go find my son. Yeah, you're right. Gotta you're find out in the wasteland again. 
This time your only, your only objective is I've got to find my son. I've got to find my son. Flipping the, the, the dynamic from the last one. Yes. It's almost exactly the same, but, but the opposite. But the opposite. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which is fine. Um, but it doesn't have the same sense of freedom in that main story that Fallout 3 did. Because in Fallout 3, you were trying to find your dad, but your dad could really be anywhere, which gave you an excuse to explore the world, because yeah. he could have been anywhere. But with Fallout 4, the story itself is very direct mm. in how you find him. It's just like you do ba bum ba bum ba bum all right. There yeah, and in between all those places, explore if you want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's a, it's a big difference being a child trying to find your... Being an adult child trying to find your parents yeah. and being a parent trying to find what you think is your baby. Yeah. Because you, in the player's mind, Sean is still an, an infant. So in trying to find Sean, you're like, well, someone's taken my baby into this fucking apocalyptic nightmare. Yeah. I need to find them right now. Sure. So if you're wasting your time going, oh, you know, I'm just going to go off and help Preston Garvey <laughs> with his fucking Minutemen bullshit. Yeah. Then you're like, well, you're just gonna, what, you're just going to leave your infant to the death clause? Yeah, yeah. Like, it doesn't make like, any sense. Every second doesn't count. Yeah, situation. because of, of course it, it absolutely does. Yeah. And you don't have that same freedom of character in the same way as Fallout 3 because the only thing you know about your guy in Fallout 3 is he was born in a vault. And everything about his personality growing up, you've dictated through... Yeah, that's, it's nice to not just to be told that. You've yes. actually lived it. You know yes. what life was like as a baby in the vault. You know what life was like as a... Whatever, how old they are. Yeah. Like 10 years later or something, 10-year-old, yeah. and then as a teenager. Yeah. So you, you aren't just told that in backstory. Yeah. Whereas in Fallout 4, it's here is your family. You have a son. You have you know a husband or a wife. And you were a soldier in the army in the war. Uh, now, as a trained soldier, you are back out in the world and you're trying to find your son. Which does go some way to explain how your character knows how to use every weapon that he picks up. That's very true. Yeah, I don't yeah. I remember what the... If there's any weapons... Tra- oh, no, there is a bit of weapons training in Fallout 3. You shoot some yeah. roaches. You yeah. shoot some roaches with an Uzi underground yeah. and somehow that means you can use every weapon. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they try to sort of quickly just... Yeah, yeah so here's, here's the reason, in case you ask the question. Now carrying on with the game. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> But yeah, yeah. But then does that does that kind of imply that your dad, uh, Liam Neeson, is your dad, Liam Neeson? My dad, Liam <laughs> Neeson, who is not a racist. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> um, Liam, like he he is looking at his son going. One day he's gonna have to go out into the wasteland. So yeah. I'm gonna give him some tools to know how to survive there. Does that imply that he was always planning on leaving at some point, or whatever his research was, which is what to make. To be able to purify water for the entire wasteland yes. to make it safe. So he's probably working on that in the vault and he's some some great scientist or whatever, so he must know that at some point he's probably he's gonna, gonna have, have to leave. leave. Yeah, yeah. And that his son will probably leave to try and find him. Yeah. So he's like, well, if you're gonna go out there, here's how you use an Uzi. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, because the idea is that if you do purify the wasteland, then everyone can leave the vault. Mm. So, but that doesn't mean like the death claws are going to go necessarily. No. So you still have to be prepared, but re-inhabiting the world is, you know... Dangerous. It, yeah, it's, it's the aim of what he wants to achieve, but also... So there's your dad. Your dad's actually doing those things to prepare you for the world, and his whole mission is to make the world a better place for you and for your children and yeah. for your generation. Yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting to, mm. to have such a, such a pure father figure to... The cups I don't remember if there is ever any questions and if the story throws any questions into the player's mind about the dad's actual intentions. Yeah. Like surely it can't have just been your dad is this paragon of Yes. Of altruism and you are Yeah. You know, you need to live up to him because he's great. Yeah. There's got to be at some point in the story where they go, maybe he wasn't great. Yes, yeah. yeah. Little, yeah. Little, it be, it being Bethesda there. as well. But again, yeah. it's eleven year long. You know, a long time since I since I played it. There's yeah. got to be like a hollow tape or something, yeah. you know, that where you know your dad's a bit of a dick or something. <laughs> but but yeah, that's kind of the impression I I remember coming from the game is your dad's generally a pretty good guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas in this one, uh, you go through all of all of the main story, which is kind of a bit slow and oftentimes a bit boring, and then you find 
out that you find out that your son has been kidnapped by uh, this group called the Institute. And the Institute are basically, um, uh, what's his name from 30 Seconds to Mars? Jared Leto. Jared, Jared Leto. Leto in Blade Runner. Oh, right, yeah. Jared Leto in Blade Runner. 2049. 2049. Living underground. That's yeah. what the Institute are, basically. Yeah. It's just a bunch of really over-the-top douchebags who were building robots and then... Like, super sci-fi. It's interesting that the, the world pre-bombs... And obviously after, because nothing really changes in terms of the aesthetic of the world. War never changes. It's all, yeah, war never changes. Yeah. It's all very 50s looking. Yeah. And the Institute has meant to be these super advanced technological, um, well, super advanced technological people. Yeah. They look very much like what sci-fi was imagined as in the 50s. In the 50s, yeah, that yeah. bright white. Lots of white, very yes. clean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and they're kind of, they're known, they keep in Fallout 4, they keep referencing them as the boogeymen. The boogeymen of the wasteland, like your family member will disappear for two days. Yeah. And then they'll come back, but they're actually a robot. If you are an inhabitant of the wasteland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the danger is these clandestine scientists yeah. who come and steal people and replace them with... With, with Siths. Replicants. Um, with replicants. Yeah. With replicants. Yeah. So what, what, do, what do they actually want? Right. And that's, that's kind of, uh, yeah, that's kind of the, the plot. And uh, yeah, your son was taken by them by the badass with the big gun named Kellogg. The cereals man. Yes, the cereal man. Rice Krispies, <laughs> cornflakes, cocoa pops. What else? The Frosties. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a good. They're good. I can't think of any Fallout things with a G. They start with a G. Wait. They're, They're... ghouls. No. That's no. No. I think we might have bit enough more we can chew here. Like a bowl of Frosties. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. They Let's quietly them. move away from this <laughs> failed attempt. To <laughs> <laughs> so they, uh, so you find out that the Kellogg's cornflakes stole your <laughs> stole your son, and um, you go on this big thing with Kellogg. You find him, you track him down. Um, if you're like me, you don't engage him in conversation as you're supposed to do. What you're supposed to do is go and say, where did you take my son? Why did you yeah, take my son? Yeah, that's what I did. I yeah. asked him questions. Yeah, but that boss fight's really difficult. Yeah, it was tough. Yeah, so often what I do is in the back of the room where he is in, there is also a nuke launcher. So oh, yeah. I just go and I get the nuke launcher and before the conversation, I just shoot him with the nuke launcher before, even... before I ever speak to him. Because then... like the objective says confront Kellogg. Yes. And then after you've spoken to him, it says kill Kellogg. Yes. So if you just kill him before talking to him, does it change from confront to kill to finished? Team? Yeah. Okay. Because you, all you do then is you take a bit of his brain. Yeah, and his right? gun. And his gun. Yeah, because his gun is the best fucking gun in the game. Yeah, well that's the, what we talked about off pod is that yeah. because I did so much side questing, by the time I got to Kellogg and killed him and took his gun, mm. it was not, not a, better, any better right? than the guns I already picked up yeah. elsewhere. Whereas I think I might end up Starting again and just doing story the story again with a new character. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how much how beneficial that is because yeah, it essentially is a mid game boss fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which should have some um, some good loot. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The gun is is yeah is pretty great. Um, and then you you take a uh, he's got like something in his brain that you take and you go into his memories. Blah blah blah. It's a bunch of bullshit. Um, but in his memories. You go through Kellogg's story and you find out that he, like you, was a military guy whose family were taken away from him and killed. And then he ventured out into the wasteland to get revenge, the same as you. And you realise, oh my god, me and Kellogg were the same guy all along. We're both just fathers trying to save our family, but Kellogg never had the chance. And yeah. now I do have the chance, so I'll save Sean. I don't remember that at all. Well, I played this bit like two days ago. <laughs> is this for, bit, for is this, this podcast, I, I binged the main story. Oh, I'm glad you did. Yes, and then that's, that's one of the bits. You're, like, you're walking through with synapses, basically. Yeah, it's, like, it's all black apart yes. from like a little corner of a room where yes. a scene happens and you walk through space to a, yeah. another bit. Is that yes. the right Yes, thing? that bit. Because there's, there's a very similar bit in Max Payne. Do you remember Max Payne? No, the I first, remember it, but I didn't. The first Max Payne where you have, you have to, um, there are playable levels in Nightmares. Right. And it's like that. In, just like, in um, dangling space, there are just scenes you have to walk between for, yeah. for exposition. Yeah. But I don't know if it was a programming problem or actually was a challenge in the game. It's kind of like a platformer where you have to walk through space between 
these scenes that are occurring, but the ledge on which you have to walk is both invisible because it's black, yeah, but also very narrow, so you can fall off of it and fall through space and die and have to start again. Oh, that was so frustrating. That sounds frustrating. I, I went did that so many times. Yeah. But this was like one of the first games that had like that kind of matrix diving through yeah, slow mo bullet, bullet time. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like you forgive it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, I want to be awesome and like Neo and stuff. Because I never did a good Matrix game. They didn't. I remember I had the choice between a, play, a PS2 with Max Payne or an original Xbox with Enter the Matrix. And they said that the guy in the shop was like, Enter the Matrix is actually shit. <laughs> yeah. Buy Max Payne because it also has bullet time. Yeah. And I said, fuck you, I want Enter the Matrix. <laughs> yeah. And I got Enter the Matrix and it was yeah, shit. Yeah, I played it for a bit because you don't. it's not actually... Neo, it's... Um, yeah, Nairobi and... Uh... Ni- Niobe. Nairobi's in Kenya. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, it's Jada Pinkett Smith yeah. and the Asian dude. Yeah, what's that character's name? Ghost. Ghost. Wow. Uh, and uh, then, then they've got the cool pilot guy, because in their ship, in the Matrix, there's only the three of them. Yeah. It's not like the... Oh, and is it the pilot who ends up being on the Nebuchadnezzar in Matrix yeah. Revelations? Yeah. The guy from Oz and yeah. lost Michael Perrineau. Yeah, sure. What were we talking about? <laughs> Max Payne because of the bit in Because of the yeah, bit in yeah. Fallout, yeah. yeah. We're there, we're there, we're there. So, yes, yeah, so you find out that the guy who stole your son was really just like you, who was just, he was just a badass mercenary the Institute recruited, and then he ended up doing terrible things. But through stealing his brain, you find out how to get into the Institute, and when you get to the Institute... Your son is there. You see little Sean. You see little Sean. He's like 10 or something. Yeah, and he looks exactly the same as he did in Kellogg's memories. Because while you're exploring Kellogg's brain, you find the memory of him seemingly raising your son after he's stolen. There's a whole bunch of memories where Kellogg's with your son. And he's like, great to see you again, Kellogg. I'll miss you. See you soon. He's like, you motherfucker. They fucking stole you. (laughs) Now my son loves him. But your son's like 10 years old. So you break into the institute, you find your son, and then your son's a synth. What? I, I think right at that moment when that happened, I saved it and turned it off. Really? Yeah, I was like, oh, oh, like it, I really. It was. A, I thought it was a good twist. Yeah. Maybe it was. I'm just being very. Uh, uncivilized. Yeah. In my in my gaming uh, career, and that, that was. Choreographed, not choreographed, signposted for yes. miles before, and for everyone else, I was like, "Well, yeah, obviously." Yeah. But I saw little Sean in that cage. I'm like, "I want to get in. I want to yeah. get in. I want to yeah. talk, I yeah. talk yeah. to." Yeah, yeah, And then as soon as, as soon as the old fella walked in, yeah, and I was like, it's "Wait, funny. it's funny how it's the exact same skin tone as I made my character." Yeah. Because I, I had this weird penchant for making my characters ethnic quote-unquote <laughs> okay I never made... like, like The Rock is it ethnically ambiguous ethnically ambiguous yeah. characters yeah mixed race or, yeah. or yeah. something or sometimes straight up like Afro-tastic um, I, as as uh... but he's not like Liam Neeson <laughs> not in the Liam Neeson way <laughs> in a like Quentin Tarantino way oh I don't know if that's any better <laughs> it is okay all, all right. of Quentin Tarantino's superheroes are black yes that's true, that's um, true. yeah so anyway so when I went through all this time making the skin tone of my... This is getting really... No, 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 please, please. In the beginning of the game, making my character's skin tone just like a bit brown, a bit yellow, a bit white, whatever. Mm. Um, Then the guy walks in, an old man who's got the exact same skin tone and a beard. I'm like... That's that's him. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I see, it's him. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so you find out that the the, the 10-year-old Sean is a robot. But the old man who walks in, he's like, what, like late 50s, 60s? I'd say he's like 60s, 70s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's an old man with, a, with a, a beard. And he's like, that's not your son. I'm your son. I'm Sean. <laughs> and you're like, no, you're not. That's impossible. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, Sean isn't a 10-year-old boy. He's not a baby. He's a full-up megalomaniac evil scientist OSP, who's, yeah. yeah who's abducting people from the wasteland and replacing them with robots yes yeah Shyamalan or or what <laughs> yeah that's some some twist that is some Shyamalan it would be great like boom credits yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> that would be the best ending to the game that would piss off so many people yeah it would so then you have the choice your your son he obviously he's the bad guy he's been orchestrating all of well that. is he Okay, well, let's, let's finish the main story. Then okay, we'll, let's, then we'll let's, get, let's go back. So, let's go it back. turns out that you were kind of released because your son orchestrated your release. Yeah. Because you were an old man. So, like, he was an old man and he wanted to see 
if you could test how realistic the, the robot Sean is, I guess. So the whole reason that young robot Sean was with Kellogg was to give you the clues to get to the Institute. You mean like gameplay-wise? Yes. Plot-wise? No, plot-wise. Plot-wise. You, what, you think that they always knew that you would find out from Kellogg that there was a little 10-year-old Sean... No, no, because the, the reason you know that there is a, the, to even look for Kellogg is that people have seen Kellogg with a 10-year-old boy in right. Diamond City. Are they? Okay. Yeah, and the reason they've seen them is because the Institute, an evil Sean, gave Kellogg robot Sean so that people would see him and you would get to put pieces together. Okay. It's a conceit in the plot. I'm not saying it's well written. So, so yeah, um, then he's like, oh, dad, I'm old and you're nothing to me because you're an old, you know, you're an old world raider killer type. Yeah. Um, so let me destroy all of my enemies kind of thing, right? Yeah. And we'll okay. make a, a better world together sort of thing. Sure, that it gives you that option. Because um, when, when it came down to having to sort of make a decision... Mm. Or having experiences of all of the different factions that you can side with, I kind of, for the purposes of of character and plot and role playing, I thought that everything that the protagonist has been through, looking for Sean, I like. I guess I liked a story arc where once he finds Sean, finds out who he is and what he is, that is not as important to him as being with his son. Yeah. So. When it came to it, and he was like saying, "These are our enemies of the Brotherhood, and the Railroad are always getting in the way." Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And yeah, well, yeah. What does your guy, yeah. who's been frozen for thirty years, for three hundred years, yeah. what the fuck does he know about the Brotherhood and the Railroad? And yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I was still feeling an allegiance to family. Yeah. And but then I was also not still not thinking. I don't want to just go around and destroy all these people. So for as long as I could, I delayed all of the really aggressive tactics. When he was saying. Mm-hmm. Why don't you go and sort them out? I was like, eh, how about I try it a different way? Yes. And which I did like about the game is that it wasn't just like you choose who to kill and that's the only way to progress in the story. Yeah. There was a bit more leeway to it and you can go off with, on a mission from Sean at the Institute, mm. arrive at um, the crux of that mini quest mm. and still have to make a decision about how to handle it. Yeah. Uh, there wasn't there some like scientist that has been is holed up um, and the railroad are trying to get hold of him, and so are the synths. Yes. And you have to kind of decide... Yeah, which, which way is it going to go. Which way is it going to go, and then you can also still decide whether to actually invite him to the Institute, yeah. or just to kill him, or to let him go mm. to the railroad, or something like that. So I still wanted to have some kind of morality involved, even if I thought I was, you know, still wanting to do what Sean was asking me to do. Yeah. Because, yeah, the rest of them were just... As soon as I saw the Brotherhood, or got involved with the Brotherhood, I was like, ugh. So it's just like totalitarian military yeah. state. Yeah. Twats. Just because you're big and strong doesn't mean that you're just and yeah. It's kind of a problem with that game is that there's everyone is annoying. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. And there's none of them that you're like, oh, I really like these guys. That's, I think that's why it was. And if Fallout Three, the Brotherhood of Steel were just badass. Yeah. And they were great. And then in this one, the Brotherhood of Steel, they're more like they used to be in Fallout One and Two, where they were just kind of douchebags. Yeah, they're kind of a, a feared force in the mm. wasteland because they're so powerful, but they're their intentions and their MO is still pretty sketchy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's interesting what you're saying about Sean. And normally I find, because I will always choose a, a character to role play as, for example, when I'm doing it. So originally, one of the early ones I did um, was me and, me and my brother played as the Punisher when we were going through. Because nice. we wanted to be a guy, like rather than a guy, because you know, like charisma and stuff is just not that good in this game like it used to be the speech was a really important element of yeah, the game it really influenced uh, yeah 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 and um, in the newer ones it doesn't really mean anything so we were like right we're going to forget all of that and we're just going to have a guy that can use every possible weapon in the game yeah well so, yeah 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 and it, the game was so easy we just like obliterated everything yeah. in the wasteland I do find that a bit annoying when like you can choose to be more of like a rifleman and you level up rifleman so you're great with like a sniper rifle or bolt action rifle or whatever and then you're up against something really big and powerful so you pick up a rocket launcher yeah. and a rocket launcher regardless of how good you are with it in terms of statistics and experience points it's a rocket launcher if you point it at something big and you hit it that should just do the damage that a rocket launcher does yes if you're shooting a rocket launcher at a big crab 
yeah. the big crab is going to explode. It should right? explode every time, no matter who you are. So yeah. If you hit it, you hit it. Well done. But yeah, the noisy part of this game is if you are leveling up, say, pistols or rifles or even like melee, yeah. you could pick up a rocket launch, just shoot a crab, and the crab's like, you're not very good at that, are you? <laughs> yeah. you, hit, you hit me with it, but look at my, my health bar. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you were leveling up your rockets. I was not. I've never, even the Fallout 3, I never really did heavy weapons. No. But then you pick up like um, a Gatling laser or a uh, minigun or whatever, and that could still cut through people fairly yeah. well, even yeah. if you're not really leveling up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's cool that to do it in the roleplay way. Yeah, but okay, so what I was saying about the Punisher yeah, was, was that the, and the, the whole point of the character of the Punisher is that, you know, his family were murdered. Yeah. And he's, his whole act is to just to get vengeance for that. So that was an interesting way of playing it, was just like brutality the whole way through. Punishing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But then you find Sean, and Sean is the bad guy of the entire wasteland. And so for me, as the Punisher, it was like... There's a quandary. Yeah, well, it was just like a combat shotgun by Sean just, situation. Gone. So what, that, blew, in that moment? Blown, yeah. blown him, blew away. Yeah. And then you got to fight your way out of the Institute. Yeah. And then that, that, that was it. And then you killed Robot Sean as well. Yeah, well, that's cool that, that that's possible. Yes. It was, it was annoying with a lot of Fallout 3, where if they decided that a character was very integral to the plot, they were, they were invincible. That is a lot in Bethesda games. Maybe that might still have been the case with Sean. I'm, in my memory, I blew him away. Yeah, I think Maybe I, I, yeah, I, I'm pretty yeah. sure that I did. Yeah, because yeah, there are. It's happens. Happens in Skyrim though, where there's like if you. I don't know who I was listening. I listened to a podcast. Someone talking about Skyrim, and one of the the settlements, and there's a vendor that is the only person who sells or maybe buys a certain thing for good value. Yeah. And um, the person who was playing said that something went down. Maybe there was a scuffle broke out. People came to kill him or a dragon came, whatever. And that vendor died and they never respawned. Yeah. So they could never buy or sell a particular thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're just yeah. gone from the game. Yeah. So there is some credence in making certain characters invulnerable. Yeah. But in a game like, I guess, with Fallout 4, where you do have to choose, you can make that choice whenever you yeah. want, really, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was, yeah, is it? The, the relationship with Sean is interesting depending upon whether you believe that family thing or whether yeah how it is that you're perceiving the wasteland going into it yeah um, but then the game just kind of ends after that you either yeah. join Sean or you defeat Sean it doesn't really matter who it is that you side with because everyone wants to beat Sean right yeah. if you're not Sean you're gonna kill Sean or Sean's gonna die so how many times have you got to that point where you had to decide Oh, well, on every playthrough. I don't think I've ever done one in which I've sided with the Institute. Oh, really? I so, don't think. So you've, you've done it every other way? I think so, yeah. yeah. So I've only played it through once, and I sided with the Institute. Yeah. Because, again, I, unlike Fallout 4, where I kind of forgot the, uh, the main... 3. Sorry, yeah, unlike Fallout 3, I kind of forgot the main story arc, and yeah. I was just enjoying running around, enjoying the wasteland. With Fallout 4, I was constantly aware, every time my character engaged in dialogue in a story... Um, aspect yes. like trying to find out where Sean was or whatever and whether he was alive it very much stuck with me that he was um, the purpose yes. for my character's yes. journey and that never never left him mm. and so when it came to, like I say when it came to the end of the game and it's just like who are you going to side with it's like my character has been um, generally on the positive side of the, the non-existent karma system yeah and He's kind of a bit of a, in a strange way, he's a, a bit of a godlike character in that he, everyone he meets is like, hey, you're really powerful. Come yeah. do, yeah. you know, you're really great and you can kill stuff. So go off yeah. and kill stuff for us. And yeah. I do. But at the end of the day, he's still a bit of a sad, not a sad sack. He's not pathetic, but he is a, um, he's a very soulful and emotional person whose entire purpose for living is finding his son. Mm. Like he's not, you can play it in like a different roles, like the, with the Punisher or when I finished it the first time I restarted it and I wanted to play as Lilu from the Fifth Element. Nice. Who would be a complete altruist and yeah. always do yeah. the right thing but be super powerful. Yeah. Um, so I didn't do, I didn't really have a role besides myself. I was like, well, if I could, if I saw myself in that character, what would I do? Mm. Which is interesting in the context of this podcast and trying to figure out how father-son relationships affect us mm. as viewers of movies or TV shows or mm -hmm. players in games in this instance. Because with, um, with yeah, uh, Fallout 4, I very much stuck with that. 
Like, I know plenty of people do playthroughs where the actual story doesn't really matter. It's just about playing a role. Yes. Playing as Frank Castle and what would Frank Castle do in all these situations or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that's probably more of what I was doing in Fallout 3, even though, thinking about it now, that story, I think, is more relatable yeah. than one of Fallout 4. Because yeah. I played it when I was 20. Mm-hmm. And, I was, and, you know, and the clever way that they let you experiencing being a child and looking literally looking up to your father um because he's a full grown adult and also um sociologically looking up to your father as this paragon this um super god guy (laughs) and that is a more relatable story arc to me than tracing after my son who's been captured like i don't i can't really relate to that in any way but it's funny how and maybe it's just because of my age when I played them. Like, what when did Fallout Four come out a few years ago? And yeah. I'm in my late twenties or whatever. So, it's that becomes more just a playground game. Whereas the plot of Fallout Three, if it, if they'd switched it, say say Fallout, the plot line of Fallout Four with the the gameplay and the graphics and how modern that is was the opposite way around. You were a son looking for his father, and the kind of the reason why we brought start doing this podcast is that now I'm finding those stories a lot more powerful. I wonder if this was a, would have been a game that I really connected mm-hmm. with, especially in the story mission. Yeah, yeah, that is interesting. There, there is just something about the story that's just—it's just a little bit weak. It just doesn't. Which one? Fallout Four. Yeah. For me, it doesn't connect with me the same way that the old one did. I don't know if I just have less patience than than I used to for it. But yeah, Steve, our wonderful producer and all round best friend. Um, uh, sent me a video of which I can't remember the name <laughs> and I can't remember who made it but Steve will un- uh, undoubtedly put the link in, in the description of, of um, the show notes or whatever it is they say on the podcast um, about Fallout 4 so I'm sorry I can't remember to reference the person but Steve, but Steve will put it there saying about alternate um, endings to the story that, that would have improved the story Okay. And and the one that's the Steve specifically mentioned to me that I really liked was it would have been a stronger revelation for the story if it turns out that you yourself are a synthetic replication of Sean's father. You are a synthetic replication, synthetic replication of Sean's father. So you're not yes. the actual father who woke up yes. 200 years later. You were just in, yes. made to think that you woke up. Yeah, and okay. Sean's dad died because everyone in the cryotubes died the, yeah. apart from you. Yeah. Right? You were the only one who didn't, which, again, is kind of ridiculous. But there are about 10 points throughout the game where it would make complete sense for you to be a synth. Everyone in the entire world is going, how do you even know if you're real or if you're a synth? Right, everyone yeah. in the world is saying it's constant their fear amongst yeah. The, yeah. yeah, and the whole point of Kellogg as a character is that essentially he raised Sean and he seems to be exactly the same character as you. Right, during that sequence that I was saying about earlier yeah. on, where you go through and you realize, oh, me and Kellogg are actually kind of the same. Again, you could just be a synth of Kellogg, like with his drives and whatever. So I might be missing something about the, the Kellogg and your protagonist's yeah. relationship. So the, the idea is it's like a Batman Joker thing. Sure. Right. But so all those memories, the memories, this is going to sound dumb now. I probably just missed something obvious. But the, the memories that you witnessed that you take out of Kellogg's brain, yes. they aren't Kellogg raising the real life Sean 50 years ago. No. And he is a synth himself. That's why no. he looks the same. Those are memories of... Kellogg pissing around with the synth Sean in the last yes. however many yes because they're, they're like recent memories they're recent memories yeah okay but you right. see you see Kellogg uh, 20 years ago when he still has hair before he got bald yeah. with his wife and child and everything happens to him yeah. yeah and then they get killed and he goes for vengeance in exactly the same place almost as you attacked him right so there's a, a, a huge mirror that's set up between cornflakes and yourself <laughs> Throughout, so yeah, so but that again leads to the idea of uh, you being a synth because you, you could say how Sean took some of the experiences 
from Kellogg's backstory, right? He crafted your experience as a synth, the experience he wanted you to have. He took from Kellogg's experience. Um, and then the idea is, is that you are, at the end, you are the ultimate progression of sure, of the Institute's synth program. Right, he's reached a point with the synths now where they're so lifelike, they're so realistic that he has put in the human drive of I need to find my son and you have obliterated half the wasteland yeah, to, to get, get to Sean yeah. and then you get there and he's like, well, you did it. You know, like, you, you, you are the ultimate in, in synth, you know. And yeah. you could Blade Runner it, like the initial Blade Runner where it's, say, yeah. it's heavily implied that you are a synth. They never have to actually out, come out right and say yeah. But the idea would be that, you know, Sean set all of this up based you upon the, the pre... You could even say the pre-war memories are real, but they don't have to be because the pre-war memories that you have are only what you experience. And as you were saying, it's not like Fallout 3 where you see your child, entire childhood. Yeah. In Fallout 4, the only thing you know about yourself is the wife, the neighbourhood, and that's baby, it. Yeah. yeah, and the baby. So that is an entirely programmable memory because all it is is one street that is still there when you go back. Yeah. So, yeah, that extra twist of or uh, assumption that you are a, you yourself are a synth would have added an extra layer onto all of the different parts of the story. I think it would have made the relationship with Sean more interesting because you think that you're Sean's father, but actually you're kind of his son, yeah. but also you're his father. It gives you a stronger bond with the synth robot Sean because as a human character, you're like, yeah, but he's just a robot. Yeah. Right. What do I care what happens to robot Sean? But if you are also a synth, then you have that chance to form the actual father-son relationship with the robot. Um, it gives you a stronger tie potentially to the railroad. It makes you more aggressive to the Brotherhood of Steel because they want to kill all synths. Yeah. And that's a big part of their thing. Um, it's just an extra twist that amplifies the other storytelling yeah. elements. I think. No, I like that. And especially, I do like that. I think that would have been a cool ending. But just to go off on something you just said about how it would amplify the how much you don't like the Brotherhood. Yes. Playing through the game, and like you said a bit earlier, about how none of the factions are actually that interesting or cool. Like, none of them... There's not one standout, which maybe that's intentional. They don't want to go... We don't want to make everyone choose the same one because they're obviously the cool people. Yeah. Like, they've all... In trying to make them all a bit balanced, they maybe made them all a bit boring. Yeah. But in playing it, I can't see how any, why anyone through um, desire or affinity would have chosen the Brotherhood. Yeah. Like, they're just not interesting in any way and i don't know why anybody would drop like side with them in the in the corrupt in the finale of the yeah of the story i mean did yeah. you yeah. that i did with the punisher because they were a military institution and so it made sense for him to join that yeah, military sure. institution but it's like yeah it, they're not the good guys if you want to be the good guy you join the railroad yeah the, right? the true altruist. yeah 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 if you want to be like a, an outsider guy maybe you even join the minutemen yeah. And because they get a cool castle, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, but the Brotherhood, they're not the good guys. They're not really the bad guys. They're just kind of the douche guys. Yeah. And if you're playing as a douche character, maybe that's what, sure. what you go for. But and maybe we're implying. No, I won't take. I won't lump you in. Maybe I'm implying that if, in complete clear conscience, you chose the Brotherhood, yeah. because they were the ones you liked the most, maybe you're a prick. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest that seems like a pretty good place to round it up now that we've just insulted, insulted half the audience yeah why not that's yeah. only six people yeah yeah exactly <laughs> so in terms in terms of these father-son relationships yes um fallout three fallout four which one spoke to you the most i think you've really you've already said yeah it. but i think funnily enough now in researching for this podcast and, and looking backwards fallout three's story is more affecting to me yes because it is. And like we, I think we've spoken about it in previous podcasts with um, how I have seen my dad throughout my life. There was most of my life, my dad has been this super heroic figure, this shining light of, of masculinity, but not in like a... Um, in an alpha like, way. Not in an alpha way, just in a... This is what a man probably should be. Yeah. Big, strong, but kind, mm. um, selfless, and... Uh, yeah, his intentions were always for the betterment of 
um, his his kin and his family. He does he does everything for everybody else. But the, yeah, but at the same time, he is imposing, and he has some kind of I suppose you use the word masculinity. So I I grew up thinking that seems right. That's gone quite well for him, and so I do I do feel like I have been following him in some way um, throughout most of my life. And again, part of the reason we started doing this podcast is that maybe coming to terms with the relationships with our dads changing as we get older yeah. and seeing them as just regular people. So I think maybe the Fallout 3 story tapered off, we might have tapered off my interest in that he does turn out to be like, you know, the ultimate saviour of the... You're, you're the protagonist and you'd go and do all these side quests, kill all the right people and protect all the right people. But in the, the day, it's your father's innovation that is going to save the wasteland. Yeah. So I suppose um, now I see my father more as a... He's a bloke. Mm. He's a man, and I think he's done a lot of his life the right way. Mm. So I do respect him and look up to him in that way. But he's not a genius scientist who's going to solve save the world. Right, <laughs> right, 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 right. Whereas yeah, with Fallout Four, I don't know where I am in that story. I don't know who I am. Mm. I didn't see myself in the protagonist much. I just made my character action out the decisions that I made as the player. Yes, I didn't feel much of a connection to him, and. I didn't chase after Sean like I would. Yeah. As if he was my own son. <laughs> I would I would agree with that because I think in Fallout 3 the first person that I played as was myself. Yeah. Right the first person I made was me. And Do you like, find I, I, role playing games generally your first character is is often first. will just be called Dom. Yeah. 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 But in too. Fallout 4 it Dom never even appeared. Yeah. Because I don't know if it's just it's changed the way that I as you're saying the way I play role playing games, but the character was already so preset in the world. Fallout Four, yeah, in Fallout yeah. Four, he already had a family and uh, uh, an existence before the game that there is no clear imprint for me to go on there. Right, yeah. I can't sympathize or put see myself in this soldier who's come home from war to be with his family who was then transported to the future where it's a post-apocalyptic right there's a lot of already character layers built upon that Mm. i can role play that as say the punisher or even better captain america (laughs) as a soldier who comes home from war and then is frozen in time and wakes up to a world that is completely different yeah 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 exactly and all you have to do is say oh well his wife was peggy and then bam you've got captain america right Which is which is fine, and then the institute you could kind of do like kind of like Hydra esque, and then the Brotherhood of Steel is kind of you know that they have a heli carrier, yeah, you know, she so yeah, 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 yeah. So this this whole thing exists for it to be a Captain America role playing game, which is great, and I I would really enjoy to do that, but it doesn't work for me. I can't put as you're saying, I the character already exists in such a state that I can't. Uh, plant myself into it the same way as you can Fallout 3 is a blank slate Fallout yeah. 4 is not a blank slate by the time you get there yeah by the time you join the story yeah. it's already yeah I think the best game to compare it to as me and Steve will do with any game is The Witcher 3 do you play The Witcher 3? no it's without a doubt the best video game of this console generation it's really it's absolutely incredible um, and that game it's, it's a, a, a fantasy RPG but you have a preset character called Geralt, who's the character of The Witcher originally comes from a book series. So it's from uh, this Polish book series. Geralt is the hero of this book series. The games continue after the books. And all the characters, the world, everything is pre-established. You play as Geralt. As Geralt, you can make decisions. But the whole story is about Geralt trying to find his daughter. I have never played The Witcher 1. I've never played The Witcher 2. I've never read any of the books. I don't know anything about these characters before I start playing this game. And I am like, my God, I need to find my daughter. (laughs) I need to find her so bad. Because that story is focused, it's clear, and it's clean. Whereas Fallout 4, you completely make your character, you change everything about them, you go into the world, you can do absolutely anything, but there is no connection to Sean. No, or you urgency, like we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whereas in The Witcher, you have no control over anything to do with the characters, except for his armour and his hair, and then some decisions that he makes. But there is a clear, obvious relationship between his children and his actions. Yeah. Um, 
I think we you need to go play The Witcher so we could do a, a podcast <laughs> about it because it's, Maybe, it's yeah. the best. It's the best game. Yeah. So I agree with you. Yeah, I think Fall, Fallout 3 definitely had a stronger connection. Maybe it's because we're not parents. Maybe if we were parents... Yeah, it'd be interesting to talk to someone who's played it who yeah. kind of put themselves in the protagonist's shoes and be like, what if... Yeah. my child was taken from me and I had no idea where they were yeah. and, and then it turned out that your child was actually producing evil robots how would that make you feel <laughs> yeah, how would you make that feel yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay well I think that that brings us quite nicely to to the end of the conversation now do you have anything else you'd like to add uh, no I don't think so I, well, the only thing I was thinking about just then was talking about how Fallout 3 might benefit from being a clean slate your yeah. characters come from a clean slate but the RPGs that I really remember really enjoying come from that place yes. and you can build your character as they age effectively from purity to through all this mess so like the first fable yeah, game fable yeah yeah and i was thinking recently about dragon age and dragon yeah. age 2 specifically which i mean do you remember i you were playing dragon age 2 back at uni and i really wanted to play it. i thought it looked cool and you yeah. said you can't and i said why and you said you haven't played dragon age origins and yes I was like so and you were like you have to play Dragon Age Origins first. I was like, fine. So yeah. <laughs> played through Dragon Age Origins, which was okay. And then when the time we got to Dragon Age 2, that game v- felt better and the story was better because I played through Dragon Age 1. But yes. a similar kind of thing where I think that's the, you get more invested in your character if you make every decision. Yeah. Not you're, you're coming from a place where you feel like you have some responsibility to the story that's already, already been written for yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. That would, that, that's the exact reason I prefer Dragon Age Origins to Dragon Age 2. Because in Dragon Age Origins, you would choose your, your preset or yeah. whatever, like whichever one you wanted to do. But then the character was entirely yours. Whereas in Dragon Age 2, they were like, oh, you're Hawk. And Hawk has this brother and this sister and your mother. And you're beholden to this family relationship sure. that the game has already set up. And that was uh, a problem that I had with that one. Because, again, it wasn't that... Well, it's like the illusion of customization, right? Sure, It's yeah. the illusion of a, of a role-playing experience. And that is a difference between Fallout 3 and Fallout 4, I think. Yeah. Whereas in Fallout 3, it is a full role-playing experience. A whole life, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas in Fallout 4, it's the illusion of, a, of experience. But it's still, oh, I have to find my son. Oh, my son is the bad guy. Yeah. Oh, I, you know, like everything is already preset for you, I think. Yeah, that's the interesting yeah. point, yeah. Mm. Okay, great. Well... Thank you very much to listening to this uh, this episode of Daddy Issues. What are we going to do next? Um, what we, we've been talking recently about um, uh, certain films where I feel a, a kinship with a father-son yeah. relationship. And all of the examples I've come up with recently have involved a certain Hugh Jackman. A Hugh, a Hugh Jackman. A huge Jackman. A huge Jackman. Yeah. Hugh Jackman, the, the, the charming star of, of stage and screen. Stage and screen, yeah. So uh, when we first started talking about this, I was interested. Oh, it brought to mind the end of Real Steel. Yeah. Which is not like a classic, but... Hugh Jackman is a robot boxer. He's a robot boxing coach. Right. Right. And he has an estranged son, and yeah. they don't get along, and they butt heads, and then there's a redemption at the end. Yeah. We talked also about other examples similar to that after I watched Prisoners recently yeah. and then Logan, yeah. the last Wolverine yeah. movie is a bit of a father, yeah. fathership both ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's, a, he's a son in yeah. one relationship and a father in another, yeah. so maybe that might be worth it. Yeah, okay, great. Well then we will see you on the next episode for that. Bye! Goodbye.